the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. For sports fans, there's no better place to get breaking news, real time commentary, and powerful stories than The Athletic. Download the app, follow your favorite teams and leagues, and get a personalized feed of exclusive ad free content today. For all of these stories and plenty, plenty more, visit theathletic.com slash SpotTrack, S-P-O-T-R-A-C, for 40% off your first year subscription. That's theathletic.com slash SpotTrack. My name is Mike Gennetti. Happy Thursday morning. Happy Major League Baseball lockout day. Unfortunately, I'm a big baseball guy. This is debilitating because A, I'm worried we're going we're gonna to miss games, and B, it means zero transactions in Major League Baseball right now. So this unbelievable November we've had, and now it shuts down immediately. The door is slammed shut. So it's a bit of a waiting game, unfortunately. You know, I'm not going to get into too much of the minutiae with the CBA. I've done a pod on it. I've done plenty of tweets on it. There's plenty of good articles out there kind of discussing what's going to be discussed and negotiated and thrown at the, at the wall and at the table and all that good stuff. Um, you know, Once those kind of proposals come out, we will certainly speak to that more and have some reaction to it. But I want to talk football. I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the CBA, uh, you know, the lockout just quickly. And then cousin Dan on the back end of this, because while we still have it, let's talk about that November. That was with a lot of signings kind of breaking down what was actually signed versus our valuations, how the teams fit a little bit, you know, some trade numbers, some teams that didn't get involved and maybe what that means post lockout. So good talk with Dan on the back end of the show. Like I said, let's start with the NFL here. It's a good time of year to do two things. Reevaluate the free agent class, which I'm going to do on the next show. And take a look at the high paid players and where those kind of players sit team wise, standing wise, postseason wise. And I, of course, we're going to talk running backs because that's the, I don't know, this time of year just feels like that's what, what we're always doing, unfortunately. The quarterback situation, we know what we have. The top three paid quarterbacks in football, Mahomes, Allen, and Prescott, all comfortably, somewhat comfortably in playoff position. You know, I put Mahomes and Allen in Super Bowl contention still right now, even though the Chiefs certainly came out sputtering and the Cowboys are currently sputtering. I I think they're going to find their tread just fine. So those three teams, you know, top the top quarterbacks, as it should be in good shape. By the way, number four and number five are Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson. So very, very different story there. Um, Let's flip to those running backs. It's ugly. I feel like I'm having the same discussion every year. It feels like Groundhog's Day. I think it's just the nature of the animal. And if you're paying a running back, you know what you're getting. Nobody's paying a running back saying, nope, our guy's different. He's going to stay healthy. He's going to stay max productive. We, we feel perfectly comfortable signing this player. Unfortunately, it's just never going to be the case. So McCaffrey's out. Two stints on the IR done for the season now. It's only year two of that extension. He's got one more basically fully guaranteed year left. And then there's a major out in 2023. Um, it seems like they're going to get the one more year and then it's going to be a, basically a chalk at that point. He's 25 going on 26 years old. So age wise, the contract matches up. Obviously you'd like to get more out of him right now. And by the way, when he's on the field, they win ball games. So it's very, very tough. It's like I said, it's the nature of the beast. He's going to be back. I, I, don't, I don't expect there to be any kind of trade or release conversations with Christian McCaffrey. You know, the conversation to have here as we go through these running backs is what is the state of the quarterback around? Him? Because if it's 
But if the quarterback is a question mark or a what if, or, you know, could be out the door in 2022, then A, you're already relying too much on your running game, in my opinion, in the current state of football, whether he's paid or not. So how many of these guys, these names I'm going to say, have a question mark at the quarterback position? And if it's such, then you're probably getting what you're paying for here as as a total roster construction. So McCaffrey's on that list, of course. Zeke Elliott's next. He's been banged up. It sounds like he's going to push through it. It sounds like Jerry Jones is begging him to push through it. I wouldn't imagine the contract has anything to do with that. It's about getting that team back on on the right foot, which I do think is going to happen. By the way, good second running back, really good quarterback, really good wide receivers, weapons all over the field. Zeke isn't being asked to do too much. Certain weeks, they run through him. Certain weeks, they don't. I think this is exactly how you should treat a, a running back, paid or not. This is it right here, especially a paid running back. Putting $15 million per year on a, on a running back should not automatically equate to we have to run our offense through him. It shouldn't anymore. Okay, You can manage the cap. You can keep rosters full. You can pay $40 million to a quarterback, $15 million to a running back, and $20 million to a wide receiver and still be in playoff contention. That's exactly who the Cowboys are right now. That's exactly who they are. By the way, they got a $20 million defensive end. They've got you know uh, two well-paid tight ends, one of whom isn't even playing. He's on the IR. You can do this. The Cowboys are proof that you can pay big in almost every position and still compete, even when injuries happen. They're, they're proof of that. You have to draft well. You have to have depth, good depth, cheap depth, of course, but you can do it. So if the, you know, the longer they go through 2021 and into the postseason, the better for that mantra, the better for pay everybody if you love your team. So that's something to keep an eye on here too. Kamara's third. Tied for with Zeke, I should say, $15 million. Banged up. No quarterback. Delvin Cook. Banged up. Decent quarterback. You know, big stack quarterback. Decent success quarterback. Derrick Henry. Banged up. Good quarterback, but the offense runs through Derrick Henry. Nick Chubb. Has been banged up. Offense runs through Nick Chubb. Decent quarterback. Aaron Jones has been banged up. Outstanding quarterback. The offense runs through the air and a two-back two set. You know, A.J. Dillon, one of the big names of 2021. He's right there. Year two of his rookie contract. Joe Mixon. Complete offense. Really good quarterback. Everybody's taken a step forward in Cincinnati offensively. Everybody. They added offensive weapons to take a little bit of the load off of Joe Mixon, and it's opened up more for Joe Mixon. It's that easy. Get get a more uh, well-rounded offense, and your running backs can thrive a little bit more. To me, it's that easy. Look at Dallas. Melvin Gordon. He's holding his own. He's at $8 million a year. He's, this is his last year of his contract, obviously. Uh, his successor is already on the roster. But I think relatively speaking, that's been a good contract. You know, he's not, he hasn't been a superstar. He's not being paid like a superstar. He's being paid like a bridge running back one slash two. So I think that works out. Austin Eckler. Can't stay healthy. They knew that. That's why they signed him to 6.1 million and not 12.2. I think he got half the contract he was worth because... They knew they were going to have to downplay him. They knew he was going to miss time. He's a small guy. 
He catches a hell of a lot of balls out of the backfield. You're going to get banged up doing that. I, I just think that's exactly right. By the way, Kareem Hunt, exact same situation. Six million. You know what's going to happen. Yes, he's been banged up. He's out there to catch balls as much as he is to get a couple of third down pickups and goal line stands. That, that's what it's all about. So I look at this list and I think it's paid properly. Are, are any of these players, would you, would you have said no to any of these players getting paid? Kamara, Cook, Henry, McCaffrey? No, I don't think so. I think this is exactly what we should have right now. So I think it's a good set of players and you just have to understand the nature of the game. Okay, if you want to try try your luck and go into the third round and find one of these guys every three years, I think you'll probably do okay. But if you've got Kamara, pay him. Okay, pay him. Get eight years out of him instead of five or four, you know, or six years instead of four, six, you know, seven years instead of five for a first rounder. Get the two-year guarantee in there. It's not going to destroy the rest of your cap. It's not going to destroy your financial payroll. I just think that this looks okay to me. And if you can just take the injuries in with, with the contract, you know, Christian McCaffrey's not making 25 a year, you know, like the, like the top wide receiver is the gap between wide receiver and running back is almost 11 million now between Hopkins and McCaffrey. So they're already being downgraded and the injury stuff is being built in because of that. So I don't think you can say any of these guys are overpaid. They're properly paid and injuries are going to happen. End of conversation. Wide receivers. Hopkins, 27. He's been banged up. Julio Jones, 22. He's been banged up. Keenan Allen, 20. Just hasn't had a great year. You know, that Chargers offense is sputtering. I think he's properly paid. Amari Cooper, banged up. COVID, 20 million. They love him. Uh, he was a, a trade candidate for me to start the year. I think there's no way that happens now. He gets restructured. He sticks here with CeeDee Lamb and, and, and Gallup walks. I think he's stable. Michael Thomas is fifth. Super banged up. I think his Saints career is done. There's your top five wide receivers. Tight ends. Last one. George Kittle banged up. Still great. Travis Kelsey. Underpaid in my opinion. Dallas Goddard on that new deal. He's the guy in Philly on, a, on an offense that's trending upward. He didn't approach George Kittle's 15 million. It's a good contract. Mark Andrews is a steal. He's a steal. His guarantee structure is okay. It's not great. 14 million a year for the next three years, basically fully guaranteed. Uh, Baltimore did super well on this one. And Hunter Henry's free agent contract looks great now. You know, the John o. Smith one's a mess. They got basically got the same contract, but they, they had to hit on one of those players. And Hunter Henry's going to be the guy as long as he stays healthy in New England. That's going to be a big, big win for New England over the next couple of years. So there's your top five tight ends. So to me, it's not a lot of bad. The quarterback stuff looks pretty good. You know, you can talk about Deshaun and that's just a whatever. Russell's, you know, fifth, the fifth quarterback right now, he's getting traded. He's going to demand a trade. And let's be frank about what's about to happen here. So that's going to change. They're going to rip up that contract, start new. He's going to have a brand new career. So everything else looks pretty chalky. Mahomes is rounding back in a form. Allen is sputtering a bit, but it looks great at times. Prescott, same deal. You know, it's just a weird NFL season. But for the most part, the players who have been paid have done their jobs as, they're, as, as they've been available. So I don't think it deters anybody from signing a $40 million quarterback or signing a $15 million running back. Uh, you know, Devontae Adams is going to get paid. Godwin's going to get paid. Al Robinson's going to get paid. Saquon Barkley, eh. <laughs> but we're in good shape is the point of where the NFL is. It's a weird year, and the players that need to be playing well are playing well.
Let's talk some baseball with Cousin Dan. Today's episode is brought to us by Balanced Bridge Funding, providing cost-friendly capital solutions to professional athletes since 2015. Balanced Bridge has dedicated professionals who understand this industry and can customize a payment plan catered to your need. Borrow wisely and cost-effectively, avoid those fees, and there's no penalty if you pay it back early. Whether your client is currently under contract and needs a bridge against guaranteed money, a free agent looking to invest, or looking to borrow for any other reason, let Balance Bridge take a look, provide a solution, and be your resource today. Visit balancebridge.com. All right, Dan, it's official. Major League Baseball is locked out. What's the biggest story right now to the average fan? The fact that it is locked out? The fact that November was by far the biggest spending month in Major League Baseball, you know, fall, winter history, or uh, one singular thing like Max Scherzer's contract. What do you think is standing out the most right now? Um, yeah, I think I, I, I think the lockout obviously takes precedent here. Um, I mean, we had a flurry of signings right before, which um, was a nice, yeah. a nice um the storm It'll before the calm, it. right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I think there's going to be some major changes. I don't think this is going to be um, an easy resolution. So, um, yeah, I would. I, I think that's going to be the forefront here. Yeah, so we're going to have a recap of that that storm. And I feel like we're going to have to have it again in February because we're all going to forget what happened and who's on what roster and whatnot because, look, you know how this stuff works. You know, the deadlines are, are, are really what pushes this thing. Nothing really matters until, what, late January? You know, I mean, would you be surprised if we hear nothing through the holidays, nothing through early January, and then all of a sudden when when the notion of free age, when spring training starts to get on people's minds, that's when these discussions ramp back up, right? Other than that, I, I think it's going to be ugly here for a while. Yeah, I, I think it'll be ugly and it'll be, concealed behind closed doors for a while until um, teams want to start or I, I'm sorry the, the respective sides want to start um, pushing out information you know what? I don't know about that one Dan stuff. that's that's an interesting point and I think I'd agree with you three years ago but the way that just for instance these COVID protocols last year went and how the NFL CBA went I, I feel like the the sides many of the representatives of players specifically will use Twitter to sort of push their narratives out and, and ramp up steam, ramp up attention on certain things. And I, I do think there'll be some fabricated negotiation happening through social media. And what we saw with football specifically, I think is if it gains enough steam, you can force the hand of some of these decisions. So I'm kind of hoping that's how this goes that while Manfred and the, his, and his owners may, you know, want to stay home with their families and drink scotch. <laughs> I think that you can have a bit of a social engagement to the point of where a, once we get started getting closer to games being lost, that's really going to ramp up with, with the fan base and socials, but just some of the issues, I think if we keep things going and I'm not going to be the one doing it, but I think there are people out there that could continue the narrative. Like we saw with the, with the NFL CBA that, I mean, if you remember the talk about minimum salaries and, and, and pushing it down to the younger guys and making sure that that, that fan, that player base was energized that really kind of won the day with that CBA, good or bad, however you want to look at it. Don't you think that could happen here with baseball, especially with guys who are eyeing up $600,000 contracts right now, who have nothing guaranteed in 2022, just want to get on the field and make a paycheck, you know? Yeah, I, I guess 
I, I guess we just haven't heard the nuances of what right. I, I mean. We know the broad strokes of what the, the arguments are on each side, but I, I don't think we really have any um, insight into like the specific details of like what they're specifically arguing about within each topic. So um, I, I think it's an interesting point. But so I, I guess I don't know the answer. Let me, let me say this to you, too, because we'll transition into the player stuff now as well. You know, Max Scherzer is one of the big reps for the players, has been for a while. He's got a big voice. I, I think he's probably terrifying in a lot of degrees on and off the field with that stuff. He just signed for $43.3 million a year. How is that guy going to be the voice of the players? <laughs> you know, basically saying like, oh, we got to fix free agency and we got to make sure our service time is... I, I, that That to me is trouble for the players. Now, I know that the lawyer that they've hired and, and the, the team they have assembled to to kind of attack these details seem like they really are positioned nicely to do so. But I have trouble, like I did with Aaron Rodgers, being that voice. you remember that, Dan, back in March last year? Yeah. How he was kind of the guy going to bed for some of these things when he made $91 million the, the previous March. I mean, I just struggle with those guys. Now, I, I, the intentions could be completely pure, and, and Max Scherzer may be the right voice. But coming off what he just did with the Mets here, I, I have trouble with that. Yeah, I, I, well, yeah, I agree. I, it's kind of tongue in cheek because on one one side we're we're rooting for players to get more money, but right. on the other side, you know, it's it's kind of retained within you know the top one percent of players there. Um, if we could somehow funnel that money down to right. like the middle class, and I, so yeah, the point like it's it's hard though, and you know, Max Scherzer probably deserves a large contract, forty million. Who knows? But when he's making that in the late stages of his career yeah. and players in their prime are struggling to make even a million dollars a season that that's where it needs to be changed. So I, your point is definitely dead on the optics of him, you know, being the face of this might, might, might not be the best, but I, I do think he's a, he's a good leader in front of it. it, it I, I don't think, you know, he's not necessarily going to be fighting for his, you know, the, the contract language in his next contract. He, he's probably signed his last. You're right. That's all, a great point. Contract, he's so. got nothing else to fight for. That's exactly right. Right. So, so he could shift his priorities towards, you know, the next generation of ball players and what, and what that. Means. And Oh, by so, the yeah. way, Oh, by the way, it's a three-year contract. It's high AAV. It's the kind of stuff we, we want to see from major league baseball contracts for the next decade. So in a way it's absurd because he's 37 and he got 7 million more than any player in the history of the game. But at the same time, this is where I want things to go. This is where I think a lot of the people in this market want things to go. So it is a bit of a, a trendsetter in that regard too. So if he's, if he's coming at this from the right angle, like you've kind of laid out there, I do think that works. So I, I'll, I'll step back on that for sure. All right. What do you think about the deal after we've kind of, you know, belated the, the, the point here, team fit, the, the, the contract itself, there's no other contract to talk about, you know, at the top of this, we have to start there. Just give me your, your general thoughts on Scherzer to the Mets. From a base standpoint, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and try and like poke holes in, in the deal itself or like, you know, rain on like a Mets parade, sure. but I know you want my genuine opinion on it. I, I do. I like the deal. I think in that, you know, he'd be, with Degrom, assuming they're both healthy, I mean the whole team, everything they've done in the off season, they've they've essentially won the off season. Now, if those moves come to fruition and it leads to you know transitions into on field production, 
then they're a legitimate legitimate World Series contender right now. I personally have concerns on whether DeGrom comes back mm. at at full strength. And I mean, Matt, so let's step back. Max Scherzer, the player, is still a phenomenal pitcher. His his strikeouts, have, particularly last year, his strikeouts were like his in the top three all, seasons. All of the his strikeout career. and power ratio stuff. Degrom and Scherzer are one two. I mean, it's easy. That's as easy as you have to say it right there. They're one two. Right. So Scherzer, if he's deteriorated anywhere, it's a little bit in his, you know his fly ball slash home runs yeah. and his walk ratios have deteriorated. First inning. <laughs> right. And that, and that's something that just like comes naturally with age. So we, we also have seen him break down a little bit later in the season. So like he, he's still going to be, he's going to, I assume he will come into the year as a dominant pitcher and look like every bit like Max Scherzer. But in terms of him and DeGrom making it a full season when they're be, both being paid handsomely, I, I I do have concerns about that, but that's mostly in terms of a depth of the rotation. If you eliminate one or both of those guys, the Mets rotation looks quite a bit different. I mean, yeah. there's, there's obviously still room to add later here um, with like a cheap depth option, like Rich Hill or something like that. But I, I the deal itself, I have no issues with it. I like the, I like the shorter term high ABV. I, I like the player itself. I like the fit. It's a, it's a, the ballpark plays pitcher friendly. Um, I, I think he can still be a dominant pitcher there in terms of the roster. I, I mean, in terms of the the setup of the staff, I do have some concerns about the depth though, but yeah, they're, um, they're still a pitcher away. I think everybody knows that. And there's a couple of maybe a bullpen piece as well, but I, I guess let's, let's step back a little bit from, from the roster construction. Cause we've got, I think a lot of months to talk about that, but what's and I shouldn't say bothers me right and it goes along with the tweet I put out yesterday about his all-star bonus which is I get it everybody gets you know award bonuses built into these contracts I've done 15,000 major league baseball contracts manually I I know I don't have to be told it just feels like the Mets went as desperate as possible right they went we're, we're going to give you absolutely everything we can possibly offer because that's what we have to do that's the position we're in is that what the Mets really are this was like the third best world series odd team last year if you remember you and I did over unders i mean this was easily the nl east favorite from an odd standpoint to head in 2021 what am I missing? Is the, is the drop off from last year to this year that big that they now have to become a desperate team, or is this just an owner and a, and a GM who are basically new, you know, to this regime? Obviously, coming and saying we've got to swing big and make our mark right now. Is that what this is, Dan? Well, I, or are they desperate I, so, and rightfully so? Are do they need to be desperate? I don't, I don't know if I want to say desperate. They they do have a a pretty solid core roster. They have some young players coming up in the future. Um, I, I think they wanted, they came into this off season wanting to sup, you know, supplement the current core that they have knowing that pro- guys like Conforto mm-hmm. um, will probably be, be leaving. But I mean, Starling Marte is a player I like. Mark is Like I like those players. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I, I guess the question is, would the Max Scherzer money have been, better delegated towards getting maybe two starters and a reliever or, you know, I, I, I know pitching on the free agent market is not cheap, but considering other deals that have been made and well, there's not a lot of players still out there, but I, I, I just am curious 
for a team that seems like it needs depth in the starting rotation, they they basically popped for for the big free agent, and it seems like well, um, let's go over it because I, I like this point, and we can kind of cover some bases here by doing it. So Scherzer gets forty three point three. I don't know if you've heard, and, and um, we can talk about it a little bit here. The Verlander deal never went official. So two for 50 with Verlander never hit the actual books. And now that we're locked out, it can't. So that's sort of just hanging in limbo. He is not officially back with Houston. So I can't count his 25 million per year right now, which means the next highest contract signed this free agency is Marcus Stroman, former Met to Chicago on 23.6. It's a $20 million drop from Max Scherzer to the next free agent pitcher. Stroman and then Ray at 23 goes to Seattle. And then Gosman, 22 million, goes to Toronto. And by the way, all three of those guys, Stroman, Ray, and Gosman, they almost hit my market valuation to the, to the T. I had Scherzer at 35 and change just under Garrett Cole, which I think is about right. That's what he's earned and certainly what he can still do, I think. So the fact that the Mets went $7 million over that and $20 million over any other free agent starting pitcher this offseason so far, does that change your opinion of this? Well, I mean, I think that kind of leads into my point. Are they better off with a 37-year-old Max Scherzer on a three-year deal at that age? Right. Or are they better off with a... Stroman and Robbie Ray. (laughs) Yeah, or Carlos Rodon plus a reliever in in there. So I I don't know. It's how you want to delegate. They they obviously have the best, probably the best one-two punch in baseball. Um, so I, I, I like you want, said too, Dan, because from that. no, I like oh, what you ahead. said about Scherzer DeGrom because you're right. Both have health, health, health injuries a little bit right now. DeGrom more so, but I guess, I guess the, the glass half full can be that they can cover each other now, you know, neat. If Scherzer can't be a true number one anyway, because I think what he said about the Dodgers situation was they worked him too hard. You know, he just had too many miles, too many miles on him in 2020 that it led to that dead arm at, at game six they can sort of, uh, you know, load manage a little bit between the two and hopefully get a couple more years out of each. So I do like what you said. Yes, they have statistically the best resume, those two players and they're Hall of Famers, but I think they both need a little bit of a break. And this is a good way to do that. I just think it's an absurd price tag to get there. That's all. Right. And I think they'll rely on that. You're you're hoping both of them are healthy, obviously, but That can break down real quick if one of them misses time, the other one gets rode a little harder. Both are if both miss time, which is obviously a worst case scenario, they're they're in major trouble in my opinion, regardless of how good their offense might be. Feels a little Los Angeles Lakers ish. It's a little LeBron and AD, and if one thing goes wrong, they can kind of hold the fort down. If both things go wrong. The rest of that team is just going to be a nightmare. I, I feel like that's where we're headed here with this team. Yeah, the, out, the outcomes are pretty – the range of outcomes with that team, I think, are yeah. are really wide at the current moment. Now, they, this could look different if they add more depth pitching, in my opinion. And they like, will. Because the, the offense will. is – I don't really know where you upgrade the offense at this point. So No, I think you subtract right now. I think there's probably yeah. a couple of, of trade outs to make, which could garner you one of those you know fourth or fifth pitchers in the rotation. So I do think there's moves to come. And I think at the end of the day, I'm going to like this roster uh, when I see it on the field, uh, you know, contender or not getting Max Scherzer is always a positive, by the way, I am not sitting here, you know, crying about that. I, I'm just looking at the numbers and the numbers right. say that's a desperate move. That's what it says to me because it is not even close. 
it, it is, I don't even want this guy to be looking anywhere else. We're going to give him a number. It's basically Brian Kelly to LSU. You know, <laughs> like right. you're not even going to think about Notre Dame. You're, you're going to, you're going to lose gold completely. We're going, we're, you're going to be with LSU. Here's the number. We're going to buy you houses. It's done. So that's what this is. That's it's, and it kind of happened all at the same time, right? Lincoln Riley, Brian Kelly, Max Scherzer, these absurd contracts that you just cannot say no to. I get it. And I'm happy to have him on the Mets. So I'm not, I'm going to finish right. on that. Go ahead. Right. And as I mean, it, it it definitely feels like the Mets probably had to blow him away, more, yeah. you know, increase their offer beyond what he was getting elsewhere. I, to follow up on that, who cares if we're spending nope. if Steve Cohen spent too much money, right? So <laughs> uh, uh, just to round out what we've been saying, Mets fans should be excited and celebrate this move yes, every sir. day of the week, and it is good for baseball. We're just saying from a team context standpoint and how they're allocating their money. Well, it, it might not be. It's the also best, relevant but. to the CBA discussions. You know what I mean? Because we want we want more people to get a piece of the pie. That's the point of what we're doing here. We need 27 year olds to get to free agency and have a chance to make $200 million if they're worth it. Whereas if they wait till they're 30, which is happening right now, they're not they're not there anymore. They're $90 million players. This is completely an anomaly. I mean, Max Scherzer at 37, there's just not going to be many people like this, you know, not even close. So at the same time, we don't want that to be a thing. We want more of the 27 year old thing to happen. So it's, it is relevant to the current structure of what's going on with the CBA negotiations. But at the same time, like I said, good for the Mets. And yes, you're right. The Mets are 50 million over now that that tax threshold. And who cares? Who cares? I hope the Dodgers are. I hope Boston does it. I hope the Yankees do it by the end of the day. I, I hope there's five teams that that, that want to be all in and be over that threshold, whatever it is when this new CBA comes about. So yes, I, I'm with you there too. Let's not stop New York teams from spending. It's a, it's a good thing. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Okay, let's talk shortstops. You want to go positive or negative first? <laughs> uh, I think the Seager one makes sense from a number standpoint from a team standpoint do you have any trouble with that one um no it was a little bit like i i feel like he got paid as he as if he's been like a consistent healthy player up to this point in his career but I, i think he got paid more based on projected ceiling um you know going forward but no, I, I don't have a problem with him. I, I really like the player. I just I, I was a little bit surprised it went that high and that long. But his injuries had his market valuation down for us a little bit. He was more in the thirty one range. He got thirty two and a half. So nothing to shake your head about. But um his uh his counterpart up the middle, that one's gonna shake some heads. I, I I know you struggle with this one. I don't wanna crap on guys getting paid because that's what we're trying to do here. Marcus Semyon at 175 million to play second base for the Texas Rangers. It just feels like that's going to be a miss right out of the gate. Am I wrong on this one? No, I, I, again, I, we, we both like the player quite a bit, but I feel like we just saw his best year and that didn't just fetch him a really big contract. It's a, it's also a long contract, which, um, with the age and in, I mean, he does take care of himself. He's, seemingly a good, really good locker room guy. So maybe they wanted to, maybe they placed a certain intangible value on that aspect of things as they're trying to kind of ramp up their rebuild here um, in the late stages of that and, and really try and compete going forward. But um, 
I mean, yeah, I, again, we really like the player. It's just the, the contract does feel like this it is, will be very disappointing early on the early half side of that. You, your, your biggest point there for me is term, is length. This is exactly what I'm talking about with that Scherzer structure. This is a, this is a perfect example of Texas felt like they have, to, they have to keep their tax at bay. So they went seven years at $25 million a year to make everybody happy. Instead of just going four years at $30 million, you know what I mean? Which is really what should have happened here. You should you should have gotten out of Marcus Simeon by age 35. That That's what should have happened. Pay him more per year. Make this a shorter-term contract. It's nuts to take him through age 37. It's just nuts. It's not what we need to be doing right now. We need to be allocating those dollars to 27-year-olds instead of 31-year-olds so that you know, Semyon's paid properly in the prime of his career and then can, you know, make a good amount of coin if he's still a viable option at age 35, 36, 37. The fact that we have to do this, it, it to me, is still a broken system. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and I'm blaming the team. I'm blaming Texas for for not just saying, screw the tax stuff. Let's put them on $30 million a year and shorten this thing up so that everybody can be happy and we can continue to be a, a, a profitable, successful, you know, franchise in 2026 instead of Holy crap! We've got four, you know fifty-five million dollars of Marcus Simeon left to deal with. What do we do here? I, that's not what we want anymore. We want this to be a fluid situation instead of teams being stuck with back ends of contracts. I, I hope this is God one of the top ten things to be discussed in this CBA because it's just bad for baseball. It really is. Yeah, to make kind of a not great comparison, but it, it this feels like uh, early Terry Pagula Buffalo Sabers to me, where. Yeah. They the, the Rangers seemingly came into this offseason with just a bunch of money they wanted to spend and they they popped on it like or, I, I mean they probably they made Cole Calhoun a priority Ugh. and and I mean I do like John Gray there, I like Simeon, I like Seeger, but it just seems like they they had all this money and wanted to spend it and in a few years they might look back at this. That's it right there. But, but they're but they're yeah. acting like these legacies last ten years still. You know what well, I mean? I like think, they're building I, for an eight-year window of contention. Stop it! You got three, four years at best if you hit things right. If your couple of your draft picks grow up and, and, and are ready to roll, like it, so many things have to happen. Planning for seven years is bonkers. It's bonkersville. So uh, just load. F- you had the money. You're right. You had the cash. You had the tax. Bury it all into two years. Just go for it for two years, and then if you have to start over. There's nothing really hanging on your roster that you have to deal with. You can just start over. So I, I just hate that they're playing the long game with with the money versus let's shove it all into a couple of years. And if we go over the tax, we'll deal with it. Who cares, you know? Right. Yeah. And, yeah. Maybe, and maybe they have a total of different timeline in their head. Maybe they're going to add, a, you know, maybe they're going to make a splash in free agency next year as well. And then and then that's the ramp up period. That doesn't um, make semi in at seven years any better, though, bud. No, no, absolutely not. But I, I guess that's more. No, I, I, I really the term on that is is going to be troublesome. I think. But Javi Baez, six years, one forty to Detroit, joins up with AJ Hinch and a really good young roster. Is that the right player for that? Because I know Correa was rumored. Trevor Story had a, had a drop in the hat there. It ends up being Baez at twenty three and change, which is a bit under our twenty four million dollar valuation. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind him there. I think it's a really good value. He will be an anchor in the middle of that lineup with some young players around him. Um, he's really good defensively. Yeah. I, I mean, we've talked at length about his approach to the plate, which is a little bit troublesome. But 
Um, in terms of the money, this is a guy that feels underpaid, which is kind of shocking to say, um, you know, for this free agency period that we just saw. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't have a problem. It, it seems it, everyone was just talking about Carlos Correa there in uh, myself included in that. And it, it sounds like they just were unwilling to go the length plus term that we saw with like a guy like, you know, Simeon or Seeger that they were just hesitant to go that way with a shortstop. So in, I kind of, I kind of like that philosophy to be honest. So percentage Javi Baez is X percentage of Carlos Correa from a productive standpoint. Um, uh, it's hard to quantify off the top of my head, but yes, I, if, you're going to break it down as like a... Just is take a guess. Is, it 80, of, is he 85% the player? You know what I mean? Like, what, what do you think? I I would lean closer to like 70% Carlos Correa. Okay. But Be- because I, I, we're talking about $200 million less. For Le- sure. Legitimately. And that, and I mean, the, Baez yeah. is 140. Carlos Correa is getting 330 plus from what we're hearing. I mean, it's going to be Corey Seager. In between Corey Seager and Frankie Lindor from what we're hearing. Is that not correct? Right. Yep. That that's that's what I assume. If not, so you get an A plus defender, which end. you know AJ Hinch loves. Uh, you know, you get a guy who maybe turned a corner last year hitting wise with the Mets in, in just a couple of months. It really did seem like somebody in that Mets organization got into his head and said, "Look, man, this is all you have to change, and you're going to be go from a B plus to an A at the plate." I, I think the the ceiling on Baez is excellent, and getting him at 140 is. It could be the be- this could be the best signing of this entire free agent class, in my opinion, because of where that team is, where they're about to be, and now you're right, he's the linchpin of that of the middle of that lineup, and I think uh, at 140, it's nuts good. So, I, I mean, I'm in big on this one, knowing what they've paid now. If you told me just in a glass case that Javi Baez joins the Tigers, my initial reaction would have been, eh. <laughs> but now, yeah. now having seen Seager, knowing Correa, I think story is going to do well as well. This could be the cheapest shortstop and maybe in the best situation. Yeah. It's, it feels personally conflicting to be going to bat for guys like Javi <laughs> Baez and, and kind of trying to trash players like Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager yeah. based on their contract. Not but trashing the players, it, not at all. It's yeah, just the numbers a, game. Exactly. It's just a testament to us talking about the context of the situation rather than the actual players. All right. Last position player, uh, because everything else is kind of just the gravy. Chris Taylor rejoins the Dodgers. Thankfully, by the way, my God, the Dodgers got pillaged. Um, Four for 60 with a chance to go to about 73 on an option year. He got a little over our valuation, which was 11, which I knew was low. I think I had it more closer to 14. Uh, you know, maybe even 16 in, in the in the Ben Zobrist range, if you want to bring that name back up. This is about right. I mean, 15 million a year is about exactly what you'd want your utility player to be getting right now. So I think it makes sense from a long a long play. I mean, what is he going to be for this Dodgers team now? Yeah. So to your point, I I think he he got a higher salary because he was being looked at more as a center fielder rather than a utility player on yeah. the free agent market, in my opinion, because that it, it's very difficult to acquire a good center fielder at a reasonable price in free agency. Um, he will still probably be in a utility role somewhat there, but I think he probably had a legitimate case 
to provide the Dodgers that he would be a center fielder elsewhere and he needed more money to be paid along those lines. So, yeah, I, I would assume he's the um, majority, you know, the heavy side of a pl- maybe a platoon, but he I think he'll play majority in center field. So does that mean Bellinger's out? I don't think Bellinger will. Do you mean out? of LA or I'm mean, never, pl- I mean, he's mostly a, a corner outfielder guy at this point. I, I don't, I haven't looked to see if he played center at all, but yeah, I, I don't think his days there are very much longer. Let's put it that way. I, I just think right. I, I get that kind of feeling. Um, yeah, he'll probably, he'll probably shift to an infield type. Um, yeah. It seems like he's going to be stuck point. at first base for a while. The, the pitchers real quick, Robbie Ray, just give me a, Good or bad? Just say good or bad. Robbie Ray to Seattle, five for one fifteen. Good. Yeah, that's a that's an up and coming team. Kevin Gosman to Toronto, basically replacing Robbie Ray at almost the exact price, five for one ten. Um, fair to good. I I don't. I, would you have preferred like, Ray? Um, I probably would have just preferred Ray if possible. Just. But, Something went right there. We've talked about this yeah. in the past. Whatever it was, Ray found it in, you know, he, he really succeeded in Toronto. They're sort of trying to, like, flip that now and bring Gosman do the same thing, whatever. But it, it'll probably work. I'm just saying, I, I don't know why I would like Ray better than Gosman. They're essentially the same player on a very similar career trajectory. So um, I, I just am basically going off of last year and Ray – put it together in Toronto. It just seems weird that they're basically the same player, basically got the same contract, but you know, one has to replace the other. It seems weird to me. Yeah. Right. So that, that, that's the only reason I say it really. I I do. I do like Gosman there. I just think it was a little bit curious. Erod, Eduardo Rodriguez to Detroit five for 77. I like it. Okay. You're, you're in a positive mood today. John Gray, (laughs) John Gray, four for 56 to the Rangers. Ah, so I, I do like that one quite a bit. I I like the price. That's a fair that's a fair deal. Very yeah. I, I think they got him at market value. He's not overpaid, he's not underpaid. He could exceed the value on that contract. I think there's a little bit of upside to that, but I, I'm not like if I'm a Texas Ranger fan, I'm not like, you know, dancing because we just signed <laughs> John Gray, but it's still it's still a really nice deal, in my opinion. If you're the Cardinals and you got Steven Matz, four for 44. Would you have preferred Gray? Um, Yeah, I don't particularly like the Matz thing. I think he'll be fine there. It's a, it's a good landing spot, but the, the term is a little bit curious to me considering he pretty much just had a career season and they yeah. – I, I don't know why they went the length with that one. I, so that's one of – that's probably my least favorite pitcher contract so far. Isn't it funny? Matz, Ray, and Simeon all came from Toronto, all had career years, kind of one year's, you know, one year, holy cow. I mean, Ray had it, then lost it, and then got it back last year. But you know what I'm saying? Like, they, they all seem to have this perfect year in Toronto last year, and now they're benefiting, obviously, from a free agent standpoint, but none of them with Toronto. Yeah, and good for, for Toronto for kind of, Right. Like, what do they know that the rest of us, you know, should know is what I'm saying. Right. <laughs> this feels right. like a little, even... a little Belichickian. Like, yep, we got their best right. year. They, somebody else can pay him now. Exactly. Exactly. That's it. I don't even know if it's them like thinking that the player is going to fall off a cliff or anything rather than them just saying like, 
we're not going to pay this player the free agency contract that he's going to get. That's I mean, right. could you imagine if they re-signed all three of those guys and we were, we're sitting here saying, wow, look at all the money Toronto just spent, and they're basically the same team as they were last year with like little to no retooling at all. So I like the moves that they've done. I thought the Barrios deal was excellent. Sure, I do too. Um, I, I thought the Gosman deal was solid. Um, I, I like I like what they've done. I, and the George Springer aspect, like we that kind of gets lost in the shuffle of last year because he missed the early part of the season. But he kind of barely got off the ground with that team. So that's sort of like a, mm-hmm. um, you know, in an undervalued aspect of uh, of this. I think. Okay. Um, I, I guess we got to skip the Verlander one. Because it's TBD, which is really interesting. Let's go to the, let's finish on the Angels. Aaron Loop, a seventh inning man who had a hell of a year with the Mets, pushing thirty four years old, gets two for seventeen. I, I I know it's too much, but is this a little bit of the Mets and the Angels kind of being in the same people where they they just have to fix something right now? Yeah, I I don't. It feels like they're. Based on everything they've been doing, they they've really put an emphasis on pitching, and <laughs> I we think yeah we we generally think that's the way to go. So I don't want to I'm not gonna I, I like the general direction of what they're doing. So if the Aaron Loop contract proves to be bad value, but they're they're just taking shots on goal, trying to to realize that they need to improve their pitching staff where they can. Um, I I think Aaron Loop's a really good pitcher. Did he maybe get overpaid? Sure, but. They they need to do something there, so I I don't mind that deal. I think it is it was a little excessive. Well, let me put it this uh, way: because we talked all these big numbers, and and I think I like where you're going with this. Michael Lorenzen back end rotation, Noah Syndergaard potential top rotation for a year, Aaron Loop middle reliever, Rajel Iglesias closer. Four players, hundred and two point seven million combined. You know. Right, they can afford it, right? Better there than uh, you know another third baseman or a left fielder, in my opinion, right? Right, or or jumping at Max Scherzer for forty million dollars. Like I don't even know if that was on the table, but like typically they're they're the kind of team that would have like went after that that uh, catchy the name. Yep, I kind of like that the they you know they all of their draft picks were spent on pitchers last year. They, they kind of know who they are in the direction they need to go. And they know they won't get there overnight. And I, and I don't, I don't mind this approach. I, will it work? Who knows? But I, I don't mind that they're at least giving this, uh, this shot. Seems all right to me. How about these, uh, the teams that aren't doing anything, you know, Boston just kind of got involved last night, late rich Hill joins on 5 million and they reacquire Jackie Bradley jr. Which. Okay. Um, I don't know why you'd give up on Hunter Renfro, but they did. Uh, the Yankees have been radio silent. The Dodgers outside of Chris Taylor, basically radio silent. You know, the Phillies are trying. They're not getting very far with, with much of this. A lot of big markets doing nothing right now. Is, is that just no big deal? Because, you know, the deadline of this CBA situation was maybe inflating prices and, and you just want to kind of sit back and let things evolve a little bit? Or is you, do you think there's some concern with those kind of franchises right now? Um, I, I, I obviously don't know. I, I want to say that I have a feeling that some of the bigger teams are were more focused on the trade market aspect of this. It's a good and, answer, Dan. 
And it sounds like that was completely dead leading up to this because of the potential lockout. And all these agents, all the teams were focused um, more This is just on, you trying to tee up your Aaron Judge trade again, isn't it? And, yeah, right. <laughs> um, so I think that some of these, you know, the Dodgers have still pretty good prospect depth, international free agent depth. Um, some of these other teams, I could see them being more involved in trying to scoop players that have been rumored to be available on the trade market rather than um, jumping at some of these guys in free agency, but who knows, maybe like Rodon might go to one of those big guys or, or something like that. Yeah. I, um, I kind of will disagree with you on the, the Jackie Bradley trade. I, I don't mind it to be quite honest. With okay. You. Um, I think, I think they basically, I, I think two things are at play here. I think Jackie Bradley is one of the best defensive center fielders in the league. And I think they've really missed that last year. Renfro offers you next to nothing there. And um, okay. I think they're just like merely selling high. So I'm, I'm not. And they did uh, get a middle of the road prospect. I believe that Hamilton kid was number 16 on the Brewers list. So not a bad pullback there either. Right. So I, I think in six or, you know, in midway through the year, we might, we might actually be like, oh yeah, that was a no brainer trade. Hunter Renfro is like the Hunter Renfro we've always known, <laughs> known, but um, yeah, no, it is, it is puzzling though, to your point, it's puzzling that all those big market team, the typically the biggest players in free agency have all been quiet. And I, I, I don't know the right answer, but I want to believe that, you know, some of these guys will that that have been rumored on to be on the trade market will end up there. I have heard the Yankees quite a bit in the trade market. So I do think I agree with you there. That's where they want to go. And it does make sense because there's a lot of players on that roster who are ARB three, ARB four coming to, you know, coming to roost in terms of free agency, who knows how that's going to change in the next couple of months with the CBA, but they, they are, they are not in a position really to go and dump three three or four major free agents on that roster in my opinion they kind of have the, the roster that they have unless they shake it up with trades so uh, i think they're going to be active with texas i think baltimore may get involved at some point don't you agree with this seems like yeah uh, is it kind of felifa is that the name dan the third baseman yeah. slash catcher slash shortstop out of texas right yeah he's bannock's like it's all so I, I heard like a scenario floated where what he's been rumored to the yankees yeah. and the yankees might like want to wait like so maybe the perfect scenario ends up where like one of these shortstop maybe it's trevor story doesn't get a long-term deal and ha or, or maybe it's carlos correa doesn't get the 10 for 300 that he wants this year and signs back with houston for a one-year deal and resets the market next year and that kiner falafa would be you know an ideal get coming back in that deal as like a stopgap type player who can kind of be a utility guy he's cheap um, he can catch, which the Yankees certainly freaking need. Yeah, right. So there, I mean, that we've talked about this with the shortstops specifically that there were so many of them, and there's really only so many contenders to give them the contracts that they want, right? Like Carlos Correa does not have 30 suitors right now no. looking for to, no. to pay him that. So um, it, it's kind of musical chairs, and at some point, one player is going to be sitting there like, "Well, I, I'm not going to take this." Four for 150 or whatever I'm being offered. Let me try and reset. The Not to mention that Dan, his 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 suitors are probably becoming bad teams. 
You know what right. I mean? And that's going to be less attractive to him. So going back to Houston is going to get more and more attractive to a player like Correa. You know, Trevor's story is a little different because he's been with a bad team forever. He can only go up. So, uh, And he's going to take less to go to a good team, in my opinion. But I think you're right. I think because of this gigantic impact November we just had, yes, as quickly as it started, Correa's market has dwindled. And it's, and it's kind of flipped, like, no offense to Marcus Simeon, but I would have thought Correa, you know, we talked about this on the last podcast we did a little bit, is that the market kind of works backwards rather than these top-end free agents like Freddie Freeman. And, oh. and I mean, Scherzer wasn't the first signing, but, I mean, he's, he signed already. But you know what I mean? We it, It's not like those guys set the market and all the dominoes fell in place after. It kind of was in reverse this year where mm-hmm. – you know, some of those other lower, seemingly lower tier guys were, were the first sign. So makes sense. You talked yourself into one more question. We got to talk Freddie Freeman to get out the door here. What, <laughs> what the hell is taking so long? If the offer is six for 180, what is Atlanta not doing? I, I don't, I don't know. I would assume. First of all, I guess we don't know that that offer is out there. Do we No. I trust the names that have put it out there, but you're right. I mean, and by the way, I still think he wants 200. I still think that's that's the number. And that's fair. If that offer is out there though, or it's close to what he wants, you have to assume that he's at least considering going elsewhere, likely the Dodgers, which was his hometown. So um, I, I I don't know, but it is a little bit weird that this wasn't done yesterday from an Atlanta perspective, both sides. If he wants to stay there and they want him back and the money is even close, I don't see how they haven't hammered it out by now, but that's what can I give you my uh, conspiracy theory thought? Sure. I think the San Diego stuff has always been real. And my guess is because now we are locked out and nothing can happen. There was, motion in there to get it done but but it but a eric hosmer trade had to precede it and that's probably where the holdup is that didn't get done so they have to wait till this thing reopens they have to see if that can get done and then i think freddie freeman will join san diego hmm, that's super interesting i haven't heard i haven't really heard that i mean i i know the san diego connections and everything but that that's interesting and i kind of like it it's an upgrade I think Hosmer's been a bust there, but he's still a nice player. He, he, he can service, uh, I think, a bad team very nicely. So I think that's the plan. But also the Rizzo stuff's hanging out there, you know, and there's probably a little back and forth between Rizzo and Freeman contractually and also the teams. You know, I, Rizzo's probably in with a lot of the major teams and those teams just aren't biting right now. So I wonder if there's a waiting game there as well. But that's a position of note for sure. Heading into this, uh, the, you know, when the lockout opens up, a couple of shortstops, certainly first base, some lower pitchers. You mentioned Rodon. That's going to be a big chip. He's going to be a back of the end rotation guy for a good team, in my opinion. Maybe the Angels, maybe the Mets, maybe back to Chicago. But uh, one more question: Stroman to Chicago, the Cubs. Just weird, or does it mean the Cubs are going to start to push? Is that a Correa spot? Is that a you know a landing spot for a story? Are, are they sick of being bad, even though it's only been like a year? <laughs> I'm. I, I guess I really am lost on this one, sort of. Um, yeah. I mean, I really like Marcus Stroman. I the Cubs just don't even feel like they're ready to to ramp it up and go for it. Um, so I, I view this as maybe the player wanted to go there. The team showed interest. They had common ground on a contract. Um, 
I wouldn't be surprised if this is viewed by the Cubs organization as an immediately tradable contract. Mm. Um, maybe even the Strowman side as well, that in like, they're not going to contend this year. They're probably not contending next year. I could see him being a, a next year trade deadline guy, the, you know, the most coveted pitcher on the market and then go to a contender. I, I don't, I mean, that's like getting way ahead of ourselves. He hasn't even put on a uniform <laughs> or I don't even know. Well, he did sign, but you know what I, mean? I, um, I don't know. It's the, the landing spot plus timeline of that organization is, is a little curious to me. All right, sir. Well, hopefully we'll talk baseball again soon. Obviously, we're in a transaction freeze here, so it's going to be a lot of nothing. But uh, we'll have you back soon. We'll talk some football. We'll get we'll keep it going. All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Dan. All right. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash track for 40% off your first year subscription and visit balancebridge.com today. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Track Podcast.